Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, no, Joe and I were apparently the kiss of death for a bunch of them because uh, uh, 2020, we were, we were going to be touring the country. Yeah, that's true. They were asking us to do the podcast, paying us money to do the podcast live. We were shut down, and, uh, and then, and then, uh, as Ronald Reagan says, "Wait, is it Ronald Reagan? No, what's the line? Uh, no, 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 it's uh, Ben Affleck in Pearl Harbor." And then all this happened. <laughs> so, and then we were supposed to do Pioneer Town, um, and then we we had to to bow out a bit early, but now that's been canceled. Yeah. But that's that's how we ended up. Uh, initially, we were going to do Pioneer Town with Ron Underwood, and now we're just uh, now we're just doing the show. Have you, have you ever been out there? Because I really am interested in going. It sounds like such an interesting. No, it sounds it sounds quite interesting. That they, 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 the getting there was not quite as uh, as easy as I would like to think it would be. It's sort of like, well, you're on your own. Get a bus. <laughs> we'll see I, you over here. I <laughs> bet you. I bet you they were going to send a car for Jason Momoa. Uh, I bet they were. I bet they were lovely people. Lovely. Well, people. I, they were very nice, yeah. and I'm sure that they would come up again. Yes, and then yes. we'd love to go back, but uh, we'll have already done our Ron yeah. Underwood show, so let's go up with something else. <laughs> okay. Find somebody. This is the movies that made me with your hosts Josh Olson and Joe Dante. director uh of um i'd forgotten you had done this my god mighty joe young which i I thoroughly enjoy uh speechless hearts and souls stealing sinatra um he's the guy who i mean you should take some credit here got jack palance his oscar for city slickers great great film um a movie i love down to my toes and watched again recently for about the 18th time tremors um, and then something I did not realize, and, and I wish I had, cause we would have set aside a whole hour to talk about this. You were the first AD on tourist trap with Chuck Connors. Right. Did you know that Joe? Oh, yeah. You knew that he was on tourist trap. Well, I've, I've seen tourist trap. I, see, I read the credits. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't leave when the picture's over. I read the credits. Yeah, okay. When's the last time you saw tourist trap? Uh, well, I, I would say probably about seven or eight years ago. But okay. I, but and I also I also watched that movie for the score because it's a Tino Donaggio. Yeah. Whatever, it was it is better. It's great. Score. It was a great score. And uh, yeah, the, that was for Charlie movie. Charlie yep. Band. So it was the it was quite of an an experience uh, working at Charlie Band's place. Yeah, I wonder what happened to David Schmoller. He had had such a he, after he did that that, that picture with um, Morgan, the Morgan after, yeah, the Morgan Fairchild picture, the seduction, the seduction, which the was seduction. pretty, pretty yeah. you know, pretty successful. Yes, uh, and with, then he uh, then he Andrew ended up Stevens. he ended up with Charlie, uh, and he did Puppet Master, and they did a lot of Puppet Masters, 
Yeah, there's like a hundred of those movies. Yeah. And, all of them, all of them great. I know. I'm and, positive. And, and David, David uh became a professor at University of Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh in film. I went to his class a few times. Um, and I I've been trying to reach him for the last um many months through this pandemic and I haven't been able to. So I don't know. I'm I'm nervous for what nobody's ever gotten him to do a, a commentary track or anything that I know of. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sorry. I'm just like essentially I'm looking at Andrew Stevens's producing credits. It's astonishing. This guy has produced like 150 movies. We got to do something when you're not working. <laughs> Thank God, he produced Boondock Saints. Good Lord, good Lord. So yes, let's just. I just want to talk about Tourist Trap for an hour. I think that's the. Um, uh, but no, but I'm, I'm just. But Joe, when 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 like when I go, hey, we got uh, Ron Underwood's going to come on the show. Do you go? Oh yeah, first idea on Tourist Trap. Is that? Okay. Is that just, that's not is the that, first thing that comes to mind. But does it end up coming to mind? Do you? Because I, you know, I. I, I I, I, I watch credits too. I just don't memorize them. I guess. <laughs> well, it's just you learn little, little, you know, incidental things. Like I, yeah. I, I was telling Steve that uh, you know Robert Aldrich got one of his starts was to be the AD on Alvin and me Captain Kid. <laughs> I was thinking, well, no wonder he was such a hard ass because he had to keep those guys from gambling all day long. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I actually had it was, it was great. It was a great experience as a filmmaker to be an AD. I wasn't an AD. I, I had met David. He was the AFI uh, fellow or intern on Capricorn One, a film which I was the location manager on. And so David and I got close. And then he was writing Tourist Trap through that period, got it off the ground and just really got along with me. So asked me if I'd be the first AD. I said, sure, <laughs> without having ever been a first AD before. And it was a great experience. And my second AD was David Weiler, William Weiler's uh, son. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was just an amazing, amazing time. It's, it's a wild Charlie, movie. Charlie was not always known for uh, having his checks uh, go through. So <laughs> Clear the bank. Yeah. We stopped. We stopped putting a, a call time uh, for uh, Monday mornings because people would go to the bank first thing. So we just put Nash, uh, City National Bank 10 a.m. for the, every Monday morning. <laughs> uh, my God, that's that's great. Um, well, yeah. When we thought, you know, when we originally, we really were. We we're going to go do this live. And then, then uh, everything sort of went to hell. But it is a uh, it was a Western film festival, and um, since several of the things you have have uh, done over the years have uh, either have, have tapped into, let's say there's there's no there's no straight westerns there. No, no well, yeah, but uh, Tremors takes place in the desert. That's that's, a, that's right. in the desert is western, and they yeah. ride horses. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Western. But there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, there, there's no way you've made some of these movies and not seen a lot of westerns. So uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk I to you. I do love westerns. I, I grew up uh, wanting to be a cowboy, wearing a six shooter, uh, chaps, 
and a cowboy hat a lot. Yep. I, I believe it. I, I do <laughs> believe it. Um, and then, and of course, City Slickers is, is uh, all about guys who grew up doing that. Um, and then, uh, um, oh my gosh, can I, can I, I know I've told this before, but the Jack Pallant story, Joe, is, uh, uh, I, I think you said you were there too. There was a screening many years ago, obviously, uh, at the American Cinematheque of Panic in the Streets. Uh, and Jack was there. Mm-hmm. And I think that was his first film. Am I correct? I, when he was Walter. Well, okay. And, um, uh, you know, it shot on location in New York and so forth. And uh, they, they, they show the film and then Jack comes out and the guy stands up and he asks, he's like, so when you were shooting the film, do you remember what it was like to, because it would, I can't remember what the question was. And, and Pilots goes, man, that was 55 years ago. I don't even remember making the film. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was so refreshing, you know, because yeah. everybody sort of pretends that they remember all this stuff from a million right. years back. And he's like, fuck that noise. He's, he, he's great in his candidness and honesty. I, the, the first um, scene I shot him in was the introduction to, his, to the character in the film for, for him. And he rides up on a horse. Um, and lassos this cowboy who's coming on to Helen Slater and uh, comes around and throws his knife at the cowboy's crotch. And uh, uh, he says to the guy, make sure you don't, that never happens again. Billy says, yeah. Billy Crystal says, yeah. And Jack's supposed to look at Billy and Billy's going to say, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were on the same side. And he didn't look over at Billy. So I asked, after the first rehearsal, I asked Jack to just give Billy a glance at that point. He said, I don't do glances. I said, that's, that's fine. Uh, just a look. Don't do glances? A look will do fine. And, 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 he, and he just, he went a little, a little crazy there and said, I hate movie acting. I've walked off better films than this this is bullshit i'm gonna walk off this movie and the whole cast and crew we were in a corral and they all just backed away and (laughs) disappeared left jack and me alone in this corral and it was i mean it was just like in a western an out-of-body experience it was gonna be the shootout here between the two of us and 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 i had heard that he could be uh, a little challenging at times. And I, so I, it, it didn't bluster me as much as it might have had I not heard that. Um, but I just said, I, I, there's a whole generation that would like to see you, Jack, and I hope that you stay with the movie. And uh, the crew in the cast came back. We shot a, the, sh- the, the scene. I didn't dare rehearse it again. He looked at Billy at the right time. He was great in the scene. And I, later in the day, I was sitting next to him in uh, director chairs and he took his cowboy hat off and hit my leg and said, first day jitters. And from that time on, we just got along great. I mean, he was really a pure joy to work with. And I don't, I I don't, I, 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 I'm glad that it worked out because it would have been a disaster if it hadn't. But uh, he was really just a lovely person 
I, I did, uh, directed the last movie he did, which was a movie for television. And, and, uh, I just love Jack. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Cause yeah, that, that always comes through somehow and you, you want to make sure it's, it's real. You want to know that it's real. That's great. Um, yeah. And that's, it's a, it's a wonderful film, but it was so nice to see him get that Oscar. It was great to see him get that Oscar considering how, how he did it. <laughs> yeah. I can't say that all my favorite films are Westerns, but they were right. incredibly influential in my life and my career. And, and I do love the form, the Western form. And it's so um, much a part of American film history. So it's, it's kind of great. But I, although I, I've, I've heard that, I think there were British Westerns made in the late 1800s before even American Westerns. I don't know if that's true. Wait, what? There's some set in Australia. In yeah. the late 1800s? Oh, you mean but movies? Silence. Yeah, silent movies. The British were making Westerns? <laughs> the... In the 19th century? I... <laughs> no, what better time to set a Western? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's saying they were making them then, though. Yeah. Um, uh, and I also, I should, let's, let's, we can do this right now too. Cause I, I was looking to make sure before I, uh, plugged it, cause I want to be able to say where you could get it and you can, um, there is a, an incredible, incredible arrow Blu-ray of tremors, uh, that is out. That is just, um, um, stunning to look at. And I was just looking to check in. Yes, Joe, uh, our sponsor movies unlimited does in fact have it. Imagine and, that. And even, even before, well, no, cause it's, it's a, I think it's an import. So, you know, they're a little harder to come by, but so obviously that, and uh, many of the other movies we're going to discuss on this episode and on our other episodes of the show um, are available at moviesunlimited.com. Our great sponsor, the expert on movies since 1978, you're going to find thousands of titles to choose from classics, hard to find movies and new releases. Uh, so support our sponsor, be good to yourself. Click the Movies Unlimited banner on our website and buy your favorites, old and new, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. Check it out at MoviesUnlimited.com. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Um, and I'm looking at this page here. We'll we'll get into westerns in a minute, Ron. I'm just I, so you you get a page. I didn't realize there were. There's an entire page of Tremor, Tremor Seven movie collection, Shrieker Island, Attack Pack, Cold Day. How many? Tre <laughs> <laughs> They're working on Tremors Eight now, and, and a TV. catching up with the Howling. 
Wow. <laughs> and did either of you get a penny that, from either of these movies? Or? I never got a penny from the Howling. I wasn't even in the DGA. I wasn't in the DGA for Tremors either. Yeah, same. So we got yeah. uh, the movies that we make that are like signature movies that people go, oh, you must, <laughs> you must have bought a mansion off. <laughs> no, we got zilch. <laughs> Oh, oh, that hurts. That hurts. Um, well, yeah. Well, let's let's do it, Ron. Let's talk. Let's okay. talk westerns. You want to just sort of start with one and uh, yes. we'll just well, uh, chug uh, it I, I I was just going to sort of go through a few chron- chronologically. Um, sure. The the first movie uh, on my list chronologically is Red River, yes. which we had. Uh, which was very important in City Slickers, actually, because it's referenced in dialogue. Uh, Bill Henderson, uh, who plays a dentist on the cow cattle um, uh, drive, uh, talks about seeing Red River in the theater and, and the Yahoo scene and what that meant to him. And he gets everybody to take their hat off and Yahoo! Uh-huh. And so uh, that that came right from Red River, of course. Right. Uh, we had uh, a stampede in City Slickers that was really inspired by the stampede that was caused by pots and pans in in uh, Red River, uh, with uh, Billy Crystal uh, grinding some coffee beans and starting a uh, stampede. So I mean, we I. I a slightly more comic effect. Yeah, it, it's true. I mean, but it, it's the same. It's not that far different from the pots and pans, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Red River was, it was an amazing film. And I, I was blown away by uh, the darkness of the character mm-hmm. John Wayne played. Um, just, I mean, quite quite amazing. Do you remember the first, where you were the first time you saw it? Was it on TV or? On TV, yes. And <laughs> isn't, I, that the, isn't that the picture where uh, John Ford said to Howard Hawks about John Lewis, I didn't know the son of a bitch could act. Yeah. Is that the uh, one? Yeah. <laughs> well, he does that. It's an incredible performance. I mean, and he's just such a strong, he's so strong-willed in, in the um, mistaken ways. Mm-hmm. And it really becomes kind of a classic story of the son overtaking the father in a way of um, Montgomery Clift as a boy is kind of adopted uh, as a protege to uh, John Wayne's character. And, uh, and, and there's a struggle between the two of them through the film that ultimately leads to um, John Wayne being thrown off the cattle drive and um, the two of them. And, and at that point, John Wayne promises to uh, kill Montgomery Cliff someday. Um, they do get into a fight when they get together at the end, but they never, uh, he never kills him, fortunately, but he realizes that Montgomery Cliff was right all along and he's, he's going to make a, him a partner in his ranch. Um, was, that, am I, was that his first film, Joe? It was. Montgomery, Montgomery Cliff's first was, film. Yeah. yeah. 
how does how does that happen? How are you? How are you? He was so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was great. I, but how do you like sort of wake up one day and now you're starring in a John Wayne movie <laughs> as your first job? Yeah, it was impressive. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, was he? He had to have been. He was a great theater actor, or Joe? Do you know? Yeah, um, yeah. There's a, a great uh, bio uh, of him by Christian Bosworth, I think. Uh, and it's um, so he really had a fascinating life. Yeah, no, for sure. I just kind I, of I, a tragic one, but nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, no. I, John Wayne's character. I mean, it's a little as with a lot of these westerns. I mean, you look at it with today's um, values. And all it's a little it's it's hard as with almost all movies when you go back. But I mean, he comes into town. Uh, he, he leaves this wagon train that is, is later right after he leaves um, with Walter Brennan is attacked by Indians and he loses his fiance and love of his life in that attack goes on to Texas where he uh sees some land he likes and some mexicans uh ride over and say that it's owned by a, a, another man who was given a land grant from by the king of spain and john wayne says well he took they took it originally from the indians and i'm taking it from him and so i mean it's just like again i mean it's it, it, not entirely wrong. But. It's not entirely wrong, and <laughs> it's, it's complex. I mean, I like that they acknowledge that the land was originally taken from the Indians in the first place. Yeah, I, I once saw a play a while back. Oh, it was from from the guy who did Zoot Suit, and it was about the Vasquez Vasquez Rocks was named after his mm. revolutionary freedom fighter. But there's a speech in it where he talks about how you know our people used to be proud conquerors, and we took this land, and then they took it from us. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like. I guess I don't feel so bad anymore. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. What's what's next? Um, I really uh, think that Johnny Guitar is an interesting film. That, and mildly, yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it was done as kind of a, from what I understand, a fairly cheap. Republic picture. Um, Joan Crawford had got the rights to the the material and wanted to do this. And it is such an unusual movie and so stylish and so beautifully done for an inexpensive movie. I think it's uh, great to look at it in terms of the values they got, the production values they got out of basically an interior film that takes place in Joan Crawford's uh, bar. bar, yeah, yeah, bar, bar, casino. Um, and, and it's a story about very strong women. Um, her bartender uh, says to Johnny Guitar, I never met a woman who was more of a man. And, uh, it's kind of true. She's very, just really tough. And uh, the, her, the antagonist for her is 
played by Mercedes McCambridge. So it's two very strong women that lead this. And and I really uh, love that part of it. And I also loved the way they um, made the set so interesting that she had for her bar. It, it's, it uses, it, it was shot, I don't know where the, the interiors were shot, whether they were in Sedona, but they use the look of Sedona. The, uh, uh, one wall of this bar is just this incredible rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really um, just gorgeous. When there's a, there's a scene where um, uh, later in the film where uh, Joan Crawford comes out of her bedroom up on a balcony. She's often up on the, this balcony and the camera's looking up at her. Um, you never go into the bedroom, but she's always coming out of there. And uh, she's in this white dress and she's generally been in dark clothes through the, the piece. And now she's in a white dress addressing all these people who came from a funeral. So they're all in black suits, all the men. And uh, uh, Mercedes, it was her brother who was killed. So she's in black and in mourning. And, uh, and Joan is in white. And she comes down and starts playing the piano in this amazing uh, setting against this Sedona rock in her bar. It's, it's just kind of stunning. And um, they never even show the town, I don't think, that, uh, that this is part right. of. I think you're right. Yeah, I watched it recently. And you're, you're right. It's, um, it's, sort of, it's sort of away from town. It's like, the, yeah. Where her bar is, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a, over a creek or something. And they're upset. They're upset that she's going to get, she's going to have the place where the railway station is going to be or something. So the railroad's coming through and, and she has this foresight of where she bought this place. Right, right. It's also, and, um, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very gay movie. <laughs> but it, uh, it is. I mean, I mean, um, it's, Sterling Hayden is guitar, uh, Johnny Guitar. He play. He wear. He wears a guitar. Doesn't carry a gun anymore. Was a great gunman, I guess, at one point. Yeah, they keep referencing that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, and but he's very soft. It's just a very unusual Sterling Hayden, and and she's kind of the the tough one along with Mercedes, and they have this kind of interesting relationship. Besides being enemies, they kind of, there's kind of this attraction between them. So, yeah, I think there are elements of... Yeah, and you definitely get the sense that it's intentional, too. It's not, yeah. it's not one of those sort of accidental uh, yeah. things. Yeah, it's an yeah. amazing film. Um, and then the, 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 the bad guys have a, a hideout that you have to go under a waterfall to get to. And so it's very well hidden and it's just a very bizarre kind of um, path to this, to, to their hideaway and 
yeah. and why nobody can ever find them. And, and am I right, Joe, that uh, um, uh, Ronnie and uh, uh, Hayden and Joan Crawford hated each other? Well, I, Joan didn't get along with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a very popular movie in France. Hmm. I, I, yeah, it, well, it's very unusual. It's very unusual, and it's certainly not a traditional Western. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but so much fun. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, love it. Love it. Uh, give us another one. Yeah. So uh, one of the my tr- real favorites in terms of epic cowboy movies is The Searchers. Oh yeah. It just it's just so uh, beautiful. It's so and again, John Wayne plays a very very dark character and very and the the characters are all quite nuanced and they have you know positive things negative things they're very well-rounded i was kind of an amazing film and just the sheer beauty of it it takes place in texas but was shot at monument valley mostly in terms of the look of the um where the setting is of the the um, main action, and it's the scope, and it's in this division, I think, or some widescreen formatted. It's this unbelievable John Ford um, movie that um, kind of can be looked at for. So many different things, character, um, pictorial, um, amazing beauty. Yeah. Uh, One of the greatest close-ups of all time, too, that that shot of John Wayne that just, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and he's so dark, a character. I, I think that... I don't think there's any reference other than a, um, when his niece is, he has two nieces who are uh, under attack along with the rest of the family who are all killed. The two nieces get away. One of them is hiding out uh, by the uh, family um, cemetery. And there's, a reference to John Wayne's mother having been killed by Indians mm. on the grave marker. It's so weird because I don't know if it is anywhere else in the movie, but it's so much of motivation for him. Yeah. I mean, he really does not like Indians yeah. in this movie. <laughs> he does not like Indians and he goes and scalps them. And it's, there's a lot of um, really strong action in the movie, but it's, uh, it's, I've, I've seen people, I've seen someone, a uh, friend of a friend sort of go off and, you know, in, in real anger and, and not a native American. I'm like, you, you get a license the world on, on any of this stuff. I feel like if, if you're part of that crowd, but he, um, uh, this is not, so he just, um, so outraged by the racism of the film. And, you know, like the, I mean, obviously for the time it's, I mean, like it's pretty Indian. accurate, but it's pretty accurate depiction. 
Well, right. I mean, it was set in 1880, you know. But it's also it's also <laughs> condemning, you know, for a film from that era. It's pretty bold in its in its assault on John Wayne's perception of of you know the Native Americans in it. It's not endorsing yeah. his racism at all. It's right. um, and I'm like, you're you know, I get by 2020 standards, uh, you, you'd be pilloried for well, you're also for casting a bunch of old Jews as Indians, <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> but. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it is kind of bold, and it's always I'm always trying to grapple with sort of like reconciling John Wayne's uh, you know cinematic presence with his real life persona, and right. um, it it does seem to be sort of at odds with uh, the person he seemed to actually be, which is one of the many reasons I love it. It's, but nonetheless, it's been very influential over the years. And oh, sure. Too. I mean, you, you can count the filmmakers on both hands who have said that they were inspired by. Yeah. This movie, which uh, you know, continues to inspire people today, even though, you know, now that now that every movie made before last year is suspect, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, 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 obviously there's a lot of lenses you can look look back on these things yeah. with, yeah, and uh, and you know, uh, if you want to complain that Natalie Wood has such nice makeup, you know, uh, <laughs> and and isn't obviously, you know, uh, been living out on the, the Native Americans for a long time, um, but those are the conventions of the period and uh right it's 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 like watching period movies where no matter no matter when it's set the hair hairstyles are always the hairstyle of the period in which the picture was made right <laughs> you know, no, that's what I'm saying. It's even within the confines of that era and all that stuff um uh it's pretty radical and and you know very much not that thing you know it's very much not the sort of usual kind of ca cavalier racism of of so many kind of hollywood westerns um yeah, it, I mean, and you also, I, I don't think that you're, you like John Wayne necessarily. No. <laughs> I mean, he, he hates Indians, but you don't like him. Right. And, yeah, and no, so, his... I mean, it's, he's, he's, and it was a bold, it was kind of bold to, to be that far out there. Yeah. Even, yeah. even in that time to, to be that, uh, unlikable yeah it's it's a it's a fantastic performance and it's always There's a good book about the making of this uh this movie that came out a couple of years ago um which deals not just with the making of the movie but with a lot of things that were going on politically at the time um and it's it's, it's a searchers just if you look it up on amazon you'll find it as, as the searchers but i can't remember the name of the author um, yeah, I, cool. Well, give us give us another one, Ron. I, I also I I, oh. I want to just say one thing about the beginning and the end of the movie. I love the way it's bookended. Oh, yeah. Yes. With the same with that image through the cabin door. Yeah. And that that's the beginning and the end. It's just a, it's so well thought out in terms of the visual uh, palette of that film. I, I mean, you can almost not put a character in a doorway in a movie anymore and not think about that <laughs> film. It's, <laughs> It's amazing. Um, yeah. Well, give us, give us another one. Okay. Well, The Magnificent Seven. Yes. Is a movie that certainly. Denzel. Was. No, no. I'm I, 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 I mean, I. I'm kidding. <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, it, I, I certainly understand why it was remade, and it was a remake itself of Seven Samurai. So, I mean. Yeah, we can't be too precious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it. It just, uh, for me as a child, that movie meant a lot because 
of these seven very distinctive characters. Um, they each had a very different life going on and uh, they, they go into it, get hired. Um, Yul Brenner gets uh, approached by uh, three people from a Mexican village who have been decimated by a gang that's stealing their food. It's farmers that are losing all their crops to these gang, gang members uh, who's led by Eli Wallach. Um, Yul Brenner, I guess, interestingly, I think um, Yul Brenner had the idea for this movie originally um, to remake Kurosawa's movie. And with Anthony Quinn, they came up with sort of the story for it before pitching it to Walter Murch, I think. And, and however, Marish. I mean, Marish, um, and uh, the, um, I, there was a lawsuit, but I guess it didn't go anywhere because they hadn't written anything down. And so, but anyway, it was, it's, it, it had an interesting um, start coming from Japan, really. And, uh, and I, I, I like, I mean, I just, I love the music in that movie. It became such a quintessential Western kind of theme music. Especially if you make Snopes and Alvaro's. <laughs> yeah, it then and went to that. <laughs> but, uh, Oh wait, was it the Marlboro theme for the it's end? The Marlboro theme for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. That's later horrible. became that. Oh, yeah. Elmer, Elmer Bernstein made some money. It's not yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and I found myself at the age of eleven going, "I would like to try some cigarettes for some strange reason." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Only a twenty-year habit, Joe. I finally quit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's such, it's such a great, great film. Hey, and, and just so all those characters, Steve McQueen and uh, Charles Bronson and James Coburn, uh, Robert Vaughn. All, I mean, all of them were very distinctive. And, uh, and I, I, I think uh, some, I, I probably felt I revisited the movie later because I worked with Ewald Renner on the first film I worked on when I was a PA. Oh, wow. What was that? And it was uh, Future World. Oh, the wow. The West World. So, yeah. So, uh, and Ewald Brenner was in it. So that was such a wonderful thing to get to just be on set watching him and all of that after being so blown away by him and his, his men. This is magnificent. Oh, sorry. So, somehow I never knew the Marlboro thing. And now, and, and the irony of the Magnificent Seven theme being the, doing the Marlboro cigarettes theme and Yul Brenner then dying of lung cancer. There's, there's something. There's something and he was, there. he was one of the ones uh, who did a, a posthumous. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. Yul Brenner and I'm dead now. Right. Yeah. Uh, William, uh, William Talman did the same thing. Oh, did he? Yeah. That's, uh, yes. And they were, and they were very effective because, sure. you know, these guys are, they're dying and, they do, and yeah. when you see this i'm going to be dead and it's because yeah. i smoked and if you don't want to be like me don't smoke and i i can't imagine that it wasn't very effective yeah yeah those marlboro commercials were very good 
I mean, they really were. <laughs> they they always had you know the cowboy up on the on a horse riding across the range and that music. They they got a lot of mileage out of Magnus and Seven. Jesus, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so grim. <laughs> I'm depressed. Um, uh, cheer me up. Let's let's do let's do something well, happy. How about a, how about a lighter movie? <laughs> okay, because Cat Baloo was uh, a movie Cat that Baloo. certainly I really um, loved as a kid. I I thought that uh, Lee Marvin was so funny, and uh, and I thought Jane Fonda was so great. I, I just, I thought it was, um, it was funny. It was uh, kind of big West stuff too, and and the dual role that uh, Lee Marvin played was fantastic. Um, I understand that um, Jack Palance actually wanted that role, which was interesting. Um, because um, I, I'm kind of surprised that he wanted it that early in his career um, to do something that light. Mm. Um, and ironically, I mean, Lee Martin got an Academy Award for the role. Right. And much to Rod Steiger's dismay. Yeah, well, I mean, Dr. Shivago <laughs> was that same year. Oh my God! It's kind of, he was he was nominated for the pawnbroker. Oh, the pawnbroker. Yeah. Well, and then there was and wasn't Doctor Shivago that year too? Uh, probably, but he didn't get nominated for that. Ah. Mm -hmm. ah. Wow. Yeah, that was that was something that he. I was. It, I guess it. There are those times where I mean Lee Marvin had never done comedy before, so he was right. showing something that he hadn't had a chance to show before I guess, and, 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 the, and it's funny because normally the Oscars get it completely right. And there's very, uh, <clears throat> out, um, when he, know. when he got the Oscar Lee Marvin said, I, I owe half of this thing to a horse that's somewhere out in the Valley. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the horse survived <laughs> Those were tough times. For yeah. 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 Oh horses. gosh. Yeah, um, that's cool. I have not seen that film since I was a kid. I, I think I need to revisit it. If, yeah, I mean, there are things about it that are um, that don't work that well. Looking at it again, but I, I mean, there. It's also, um, it's a lot. Of, it's a. I think it's a fun, fun film. I think it was uh, somewhat based on. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids, real characters in some way or something that oh, really? they're, they're referenced in the film a little bit by somebody says, uh, it wouldn't work Cassidy. as well without uh, Nat King Cole and Stubby. Oh, Cade that, yeah, the, the two of them are great. The Greek chorus that they, they play these great songs throughout. And I think that that, um, sort of changes the whole tone of the film too, and makes it makes it fun. It starts um, on the day that Cat Baloo is going to be hanged, 
and then flashes back um, to how she got into this trouble in the first place. And, and you're kind of led through the story with Nat King Cole and uh, uh, W.K., was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, what was the last movie to use a Greek chorus? I'm trying to, I feel like, I feel like I've seen something in the last 10 years that did that, but it's uh, it a is, Greek movie. Ah, <laughs> ah, that was terrible. Um, give us another one, Ron. Uh, well, uh, I also, being a kid of the 50s um, and uh, 60s, I really liked, I, I like uh, horror films and sci-fi films from that period. And so one that I uh, liked was Billy the Kid versus Dracula. A classic. The first time that one's come up on our podcast. I believe, I believe that is correct. I, I understand why. It, it, ha, it is dated a little bit. Some of the, the, the it's, much, it's much better than Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter, which is the, <laughs> the same director. I feel like it's treatment, uh, of, uh, treatment of vampires would be uh, completely frowned on today by the vampire community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I recently worked in my, the last uh, TV show I did, I worked with Keith Carradine and, and I loved working with him. He was just amazing. But his father Dad, yeah. is the vampire and, and I love uh, that whole part of the film that he just, it, it, it's such an odd thing to be taking this sharpshooter Billy whose bullets don't mean anything for uh, Dracula and or vampires. And, uh, and I I think it's, it's kind of a fun mix of genres. It's it's definitely a hoot. I'm trying to, yeah, it seems like, it seems like a genre that needs to come back to the the vampire Western. Well, well, there were there was a few near dark but, near dark yeah Catherine sorry Bigelow's no contemporary film. yeah oh no that's not was that film. and it was yeah. so great yeah was, no I love that film to death yeah um, yeah. yeah but uh, I, I I don't know there I mean there are some genuine I'm talking about sort of like period Western horror films it just feels like it's there there should be more I feel like it's ripe mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah. cool but yeah that's a fun yeah. one. That is yeah. a fun one. And you saw that one on, uh, well, that was mid 60s. So did you see it on TV or did you like go to a. I saw it. I, th- I saw it on TV. Yep. Very cool. Well, what's, what's yeah. next? What's next? Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, I've heard of that film. Oh, my God. It's such an amazing film. I mean, yeah. just the, the amount of silence and use of. Sound effects alone, that opening hmm. uh, is one of the best openings of any movie, I think, um, through the title. It's just a bunch of guys waiting at the station. Just know, waiting for a train. It's <laughs> simple. It's so, it's so uh, beautiful and so beautifully done. I, I, um, that whole thing with the fly and the gun 
and the waiting for Bronson. It just, just incredible. And then the Bronson introduces the score, which is so great yeah. with his harmonica. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw, um, uh, actually based on your recommendation, Joe, although I think, um, uh, I think Albert Hughes, he talked about it. I think you, you sort of, uh, endorsed it, watched, um, take a hard ride, which is a, a lot of fun, but, but there's just no way Lee Marvin also has a harmonica, which he sort of takes out and plays. And you realize how, unless you're in that sort of highly hyper stylized Sergio Leone world, a guy who just walks around playing a harmonica looks kind of silly in a West. But Lee Marvin, but Lee Marvin isn't in. I mean, not Lee Marvin, Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. Ah, there is a difference. Uh, yes, there, there's a, there's a big <laughs> difference. But there's just scenes where yeah. he and his men who are chasing after our heroes are, you know, doing stuff. He's just sitting off in the corner playing his harmonica and, and absent the ultra style of uh, Leone film and also absent the amazing, it's a great score in the film, but yeah, it does. I don't know. It just sort of, you can just feel where they're getting the idea. They don't seem to be doing anything with it. it well, even in this film, it, at times you think, I mean, it's, it's so. Oh, it's, it's bonkers. So over the top. Yeah. but And it's so beautiful. I mean, it's obviously not coming from that harmonica, if you really yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, it, it, it's a cool character thing that, I'm, in that movie, because of the stylized nature yeah. of it, it really works well. No, it really does. I'm, I'm glad it's been put back together because, you know, when it first came out, uh, it was 165 minutes. And then two weeks later, it was 25 minutes shorter because the, it, was, it was a bomb, first of all. And it was too long, and the exhibitors were complaining that they couldn't get enough shows in. So they literally sent a list of stuff to be cut from all the prints in the projection booth. And, and yet all the projectionists had slightly different equipment. So sometimes they would cut, you know, then leave a little piece of this other scene and cut the wrong one. And so there were all these hybrid versions running around and it was just a mess. And it wasn't until like, like 20 years later that they finally got together and said, you know, maybe we should just put this picture back together again. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I, it's sad that it was taken apart because I mean, it's long, but it is, it really holds your attention. Oh God, yeah. No, it's it's my favorite of, of Leone's for sure. One of my favorite movies. What I mean, I know the the story is that that Morricone um, composed all those sound effects in the beginning. But but is there any? I'd, I'd love to know what that process was. You know, how do you? Because uh, obviously, he also composed the regular score for the film beforehand, and they would play it uh, sometimes over while they were shooting. But how do you compose dripping water and squeaking? signs and doors and well, it's, I, the same thing. It, it's the same thing bernard herman did on the birds you know you, you you it doesn't have to always be music in order to be musical right yeah no no that again i'm just wondering how you especially since he did before it was shot like what what does that look like what is the what is the is there sheet music you know with <laughs> like, i just want to know the nuts and bolts of how you compose <laughs> Dripping water. Yeah, and then well, you got to remember in Italian films they almost never use the actual track. Yeah, right. right. No, that all all I get. I don't think I'm being clear. I'm like he yeah. sat down before there was a film and he composed in the same way he composed a, a score. He composed e, 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 e. and and I mean, did he do it on on on? Did he did he write it down on? How do, how do you know it originated with him? 
Well, that's the story. It's just that it's, I've, I've heard that a million times that he he composed he composed the sound effects. And as, and as soon as you know that and you watch it, it makes sense because the sounds all kind of work together in this beautiful sort of melodic way. But um, uh, it just it confounds me yeah. how, how that would work. Um, it does. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really comes in because it has so much just sound effects and then it's just the harmonica mm-hmm. before the score comes in. It really does um, kind of beautifully um, fade into a musical experience because yeah. that the whole film is, I mean, so musical and so, I mean, Narconi's amazing score. Just It's a horse opera. Yes, it is. Yeah. It really very, is. If I if I could turn this camera over just a little bit, I still have my my tickets for uh, the canceled Ennio Morricone show at the Hollywood Bowl a few oh. years back. Oh wow! So heartbreaking. It was, I think uh, you better turn those in. <laughs> I got the refund. I just I uh, but, uh, makes me sad to this day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's do another one. What do you got? Ah. Uh, um. Another uh, a sci-fi one is The Valley of Guanji. Franciscus. Yes, I will. So I... I dinosaurs. <laughs> I, I was a big Ray Harryhausen fan sure, from yeah. childhood. And so uh, that was, it was a fun... And to be able to put dinosaurs together with cowboys, uh, trinosauruses and all the things they had. Uh, uh, and I, I, uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, like, uh, Billy the Kid versus Dracula. It's not, it's not an easy movie for today's tastes, maybe. Uh, but it, I, I think it's, it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It a, yep. It was, what, 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 what is, what is particularly offensive about it today? Well, it's just, it, the, the, I think Ray Harryhausen was rushed through the post-production and the creatures are always changing color from, mm. they're, they're like purple, then they're gray, then they're, but I mean, it's, so there's some technical stuff that it's a very weird thing to have these purplish um dinosaurs um isn't there a isn't there an elephant in it too in this there's an elephant in a has an elephant circus act act. there was was a, a a real elephant used at the beginning that's right and then he uh i guess either they didn't have one available or they he didn't he wanted to match into the of the whole scene with everything as, as he had done with 20 million miles to earth he has an elephant versus monster in that and the elephant is sometimes a real elephant but most of the time it's uh, animatronic ha huh. and the this movie was started by willis o'brien um back in the early 40s at RKO, he worked on it for like a year. Even before Mighty Joe Young. Even before Mighty Joe Young. Which, which it shares years. some similarities with. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then RKO said, 
after his year of work on design and all that uh, they had done some research and people weren't interested in dinosaur movies. Oh, so they until you give them a good one. <laughs> yeah, tell that to the guy who did King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> They kept reissuing. Yeah. <laughs> they did tell it to the guy who read it. Oh my gosh. I didn't know yeah. it went back that far. Yeah, that's a it's a fun yeah. film. It is a fun film. Um and and um uh, and I I just I, I like James Franciscus. I mean he, he, uh he's the lead in it and I think um I I knew him from television. Because he was in a series, Longstreet Novak. Oh, in a teacher series called Mr. Novak. My, Mr. Novak, yes, Mr. Novak. Oh, I'm, I'm younger I, than you guys. I remember him as Longstreet, yeah. the blind detective. Mm. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, and that one of the things that I really loved about that movie as well was the composer was was Jerome Moros. Moros, and he is. I mean. One of did my, the big country. One of my favorite scores is the big country. And when I did City Slickers, I attempted so, so much of that movie with the big country just because I love that score. Nice. Uh, that was a score that I, one of my favorite Western scores of all time. Pretty good movie too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah, that, that's the thing about making these lists. I mean, there's so many movies that I... No, you can't put I, them all on. Uh, and I did, I confess, I did ask him to throw yeah. in a couple of uh, uh, left field ones for... Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing he probably likes Big Country better than Billy the Kid versus Dracula. I don't think we... <laughs> <laughs> there are things I like about Billy the Kid versus Dracula, but yeah, I mean, overall... I would say there are a number of movies. Would you say that Big Country's a better movie, Ron, than Billy the Kid? Do you want to go out on that limb? Do you want to make that kind I of bold say, well, statement? Come on, they, he, they had a dollar ninety-eight <laughs> millions and millions. It's true. It's true. Um, I mean, I, 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 Blazing Saddles is another one in terms of comedies that I just was um, unbelievable when it came out to me. Yeah. I, Try making that one today. <laughs> Yeah, they couldn't be made. It no, couldn't it be literally made. couldn't be made. And that, I mean, like the searchers and like Red River, um, that uh, Blazing Saddles is a film about racism a lot. And, and all three of them share that. Um, you just couldn't do it that way mm -hmm. um, anymore. But it, it, it is a, a, a film about racism, which Sure. It's interesting. Yeah. Good to look at in that light. Yeah. It, it helps, I think, some younger audiences when you point out that Richard Pryor was one of the writers. That, that helps them over some of those humps. But uh, yeah, some of them are just insurmountable, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> progress, progress. We love it. We love it so. Um, what's, yeah. uh, what's next? Um, Give well, us another one. Another really great character piece that uh, I love the lightness of was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And that was just, it, I was in high school when I saw that. And, and it was just like such a new, it was part of the new kind of movie making that was just changing everything about 
what a movie was and what Westerns were. Um, I loved their, the relationship between Robert Redford and Paul Newman and, and then bringing Catherine Ross into that as a this three-way thing. And it was really just so beautifully done. It, it, yeah, it wasn't a movie that had been, I, I, no, I appreciate that you contextualize it there because Joe and I cannot pretend we've had uh, uh, too many people listening to the show go like, oh, I know what they think of that film. But yeah. um, but yeah, I remember as a kid, like, yeah, it wasn't something you had seen before and it was a different thing because I we, we are now neither of us, and I don't know if Joe felt this way instantly and I've, I've come to it, I'm not fans of Butch Cassidy. Mm-hmm. But but I also know we're in a tiny minority. We're uh, well, the Grinches, you, Joe. If you cut that horrible song out of it, it would be a much better movie. <laughs> I mean, it's maddening. It's maddening. It's like, it's just it's the most horrible song ever. Uh, the well, most horrible song, really. The most sing songy. It's 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 jingle. It's it's commercial jingle music. You know, I, I just it's just rubbed me the wrong way from the minute I saw it. And I said, "What is this doing in a western?" Yeah. Well, then also, what did, you, what did you think of the music, the score in South America when they were doing, there was like a choir, bum, 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 bum. Did you? That didn't bother me. Didn't bother you. The song bothered me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, because it also became, writing. it became a big hit on the radio. So right, right. you couldn't get away from it. Yeah. So right. did, did you hate the song on its own or was it just in that context? On both. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Because I've never had a problem with the song. And I, I stuck. Oh my God. I remember uh, uh, Don't going sing to it. see. I, I will not. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> cut it in here. But I remember going to see uh, Elvis Costello at the Universal Amphitheater when he was touring behind his Burt Bacharach album. And Burt Bacharach was there with him. And they were playing together. And Elvis was one of the first concerts I ever saw as, as a kid when he was doing angry, fiery, 22 minute long punk shows, basically. And I remember sitting there thinking, if you had told me then, and I would now be standing in this giant crowd at an Elvis Costello concert, happily singing along to raindrops keep falling on my head. <laughs> I would not have believed you, but I've, I've never hated the song. I just, as, as I think, yeah, even as a kid, it seemed jarring. And now as an adult, I'm very comfortable saying that, uh, that, 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 that don't belong there. It's just like, obviously somebody said, Hey, you gotta have a song in there, put a song in there. The kids will like it. But it's intentionally <laughs> anachronistic. I mean, the whole, it's obviously. You know, I think, I think it's, I think it works better than that, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it's funny, but it's a terrible thing to do here. Come on, tell us what your favorite movies is. We're going to shit on them. But, um. <laughs> well, I, I, I do. I, I, I just, I go back to when I was in 11th grade watching yeah. it and I, I loved it. I, it really, I, I laughed at the characters and I was really, um, hit hard when they were shot up, you know, killed at the end. And I, and so I, it was a real, and, and I liked their kind of um, marriage that they had and always bickering. And yeah, I liked that relationship. Well, there's so many great scenes. And I also, you know, what, what, what's the bit in the beginning when he like uh, he calls, calls him a cheat and he's like, you know, ask him, ask him to stay. What is it? Ask him to stay when he's trying to get him to leave, when he's like trying to get Sundance to calm down and, and, uh, yeah. uh just so the ending is a film on Louise. Moore. Yes. Before it's on Louise. It, it's amazing, what? That, it's a film in Louise. Moore, oh yeah. 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 That amazing. That, yeah. That freeze frame. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and, the uh, the cavalry arriving 
by the hundreds <laughs> has you you sort of know they don't know what's going on in their little hideout but yeah so uh, we know before they do what's going to happen to them it's all over um yeah you should have by my count one more of these i do the, have one more one and it's another seen. john wayne movie i it's it's funny because i mean if i were to select uh cowboy movies by stars i wouldn't have picked so many john wayne movies but these john wayne movies were very um important to me in my childhood and the last one is true grit yes yes it was it was a really different kind of movie um it was uh and the the little girl who was not such a little girl in that movie um uh is a very important character i mean really um it's her movie. It's her movie, which is 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 amazing for a John Wayne movie. Yeah. Um, and I the, the the reason it made such an impact on me was the circumstances in which I saw it, and it, I was an exchange student in Salon, later named Sri Lanka, mm. and I went to a movie theater with the family I was staying with and saw the uh, True Grit there. And it was like, I mean, it was like the scene out of Sullivan's Travels um, where I just was amazed at the responses that the audience had to this movie and to John Wayne and to Kim Darby. And I, uh, it was, it really, made me want to make movies mm. because it, we were in this uh place it was very hot there were just benches people were sitting on benches with fans they were fanning themselves because it was very hot and uh, the movie was had probably been shown a million times around the world i don't know because it was all scratched up and everything but people loved it and i was sitting there watching the audience as much as I was watching the movie. And I just felt like, wow, if these movies can mean that much to people and they were laughing and they were really emotionally engaged with it and in a country that was so different from anything I had ever experienced before that I just saw that, wow, movies really do um, travel around the world. And, it, yeah. and so I, 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 that was um, why I was um, really fell in love with the movie because of the experience of watching it. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great movie, even out of that context. So in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Well, imagine if you were watching something terrible that they're all hating. <laughs> Where would you be today, Ron? If that. <laughs> Probably, and I also made a movie while I was over there. I lived, you know, documentary about my travels. And, oh. and then when I got back, all the service clubs and things, Kiwanis clubs and things that had contributed to this program uh, wanted me to come show my movie. And, and, and that was part of that oh, wow. experience from Salon as well, showing 
a movie and seeing people's reactions to things that I had uh, shot. So yeah. it was all kind of tied together with um, True Grit and, and that experience of, of seeing that movie. So it showed your True Grit. <laughs> In a sense. I'm just I hung up on like what would have happened if he had gone and they'd been showing Myra Breckenridge instead. <laughs> I would have selling like, used cars right. now. I, I, I would have done something different. Um, yeah, I, I love that, and I I had um, I, I like the Cone Brothers one too, and it's a really yeah, interesting. It was really uh, good. Yeah, and they they sort of you can want they they one does not supplant the other, or um, yeah, I think they're both great. Uh, although I did feel a little bit for Jeff Bridges, who just like how are you. How are you able to do that scene and not think of John Wayne's delivery? He's, you know, fill your hand, you son of a bitch. It's not, he, he delivers it perfectly well, but you're yeah. just like, yeah, dude. You, yeah. And you can't just do what John Wayne did because, of course, everybody will pillory. You have to do something else. Right. <laughs> I, I, I actually like having the younger girl in their movie better. Yeah. Well, it's more accurate. Yeah. Yes. And it was better for the, it was more, it was just a better told story from a younger point of view. Yeah. And it's more, I mean, but the interesting thing about the original is it, it keeps so much of, I mean, the Coen brothers were really faithful to the book, Charles Portis's book, but the, um, the John Wayne version is, it, it does keep that, that fantastic language. Yeah. The speech patterns are so unusual for the movie of that period. And, yeah. and, they, and they stuck to it. And also that, you know, they, they, there was an attempt to get the most beautiful locations they possibly could. And it is one of the most gorgeous looking movies. It yeah. is. It is so beautiful. And, and, uh, I, I guess I read that uh, John Wayne wanted his daughter to be in it as mm. the girl or something. I don't know. Mm, I, I was just reading a book about him, and I, I don't think that's the never. No, nah, no. Mm. Uh, uh, well, yeah, it's it's a it's a great one and a great one to go out on. So that story, man, that's that's wonderful. I must uh, um, to see it like that. So we owe tremors to True Grit. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have gone into movie making without that. Oh, which from the sublime to the ridiculous, I have to ask because uh, I did show it recently to um, uh, I think I told you an email to to some some younger friends who had never seen it and uh, all of whom enjoyed it. This is Tremors, but there's the one question: the kid. Um, what's the kid's name in the town? Yeah, uh, Martin, a, uh, Melvin. Melvin. So there's this town of perfection, uh, population fourteen, and one of my friends is that person who counts, and it's like, yeah, there's fourteen people. Who's Melvin live with? His parents. They're in Las Vegas for the weekend. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> well, there's more... Kevin, you came on to solve that problem. I've been keeping him awake for weeks. It's, it's, uh, no, I just I have to email my friend and let, let her know that. Yeah, uh, is, that, is, that actually, is that actually, I don't think that's mentioned in the film. <clears throat> I. So we bring them on, we shit on their movies, and then we challenge them. It's, a, it's, in, yeah. it's, in, the preview, it's in the preview version. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think there's a, I think there's a line about it. Is there because it's just I, it, I'm just I, I at least the parents are referred to your parents okay. or something about your parents, but uh, I'm, I'm I, just so happy to be going for that ride. I'm like I don't know, he's a kid who lives in the town. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Any <laughs> genealogies on these people? Get out of here. Yeah. Um, well, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Right, this this was a it blast. Was really I'm, fun. I'm sorry you. we didn't get to do it on a stage in a. In person. Uh, yeah, in an old Western town as intended. But uh, yeah, it's a, I look forward to someday seeing Pioneer Town. But it, yes, uh, it was a pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me and uh, going through the Western with me. Yeah, thank you no. for being had. 
<laughs> Take care. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made. Stay safe out there, folks. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.